Would you please share with me to your study outlines in your program? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends at the Baptist Community Church in Arco, Idaho, and also our friends at Purpose Church, Kalispell, Montana. We are so glad that you're joining us for our study this morning. Now, after a whole summer in Deuteronomy, we have been in Deuteronomy for the entire summer, June, July, August. Uh, we thought we'd like to do a topical series now in September. And we here at Purpose Church, we believe in both Bible book studies, you know, verse-by-verse -verse studies through passages or books, but we also believe in topical studies. I know some churches do all or, or the other, and that's great, but we believe in both of them. We believe there's benefit in taking a book of the Bible like uh, Deuteronomy and doing chapter by chapter. Uh, after this series is over in mid-October, we'll go in and we'll start going verse-by-verse -verse through a, a passages, but we, we believe and topical, to take a topic and to kind of run it through the Bible and see what it says about it. And so we're going to take a topic here in September and into the first part of October, uh, go through the Bible, and then go back to verse by verse uh, when we get to October. So today we're starting what I believe could be the most helpful, practical, life-changing series that we have ever done. The title of it is Uniquely Made, Tools for Understanding How God Made Each of Us. Uh, David wrote 3,000 years ago, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And then Paul wrote uh, 2,000 years ago, for we are God's handiwork. Uh, sometimes it says masterpiece uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we believe that knowing how God made you can help you in following Jesus. It can help you in your relationships. It can help you at work. It can help you at school. It can help you in your marriage. It can help you be a better parent. Figuring out how we're made and how we're wired, how God uniquely made us, can help us be better in all of those areas. Now, categories uh, for figuring out how God made us They've been around since the letters that Paul wrote uh, to followers of Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago in Corinth, uh, Greece, and also in Rome, Italy. Uh, it's been around for a couple thousand years. And so I'm going to give you some examples of some of these that we've used here in the past here at Purpose Church, uh, kind of as a warm-up for the main thing to introduce it and to give us an overview of what we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead. And as I give these examples, I encourage you to apply it to yourself. Which one of these applies to you? Now, there are two types of people, uh, those that like to be put in categories and those that don't. I know, that was not very funny. It wasn't even funny in my mind. There, there are actually two types of people, those that are funny and those that aren't, and I am, uh, I am in the latter category. And so the first categorization that the Bible gives us is called the spiritual gifts. That is, we're all wired differently as to how we serve God and serve other people. And, and I believe there are about 27 spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible, and there are nine of them just in this passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses uh, 1 and then 4 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Skipping down to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Uh, and then the nine, here come the nine, count them up. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Uh, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Uh, to another, faith. To another, the gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. 
to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so a third of these 27 gifts are mentioned in this one passage that we're all, but it gives us the idea that God has wired us all uniquely. Because we have that right there from the very beginning in the Bible, uh, 2,000 years ago, we're wired uniquely. There are seven more mentioned in Romans chapter 12. And I did a, a series on this a few years back, and I think it's fascinating, the seven gifts that are mentioned here, I call them the motivational gifts or the personality gifts. And I find it very interesting that I find most people are in one of these seven categories. Uh, verse 4, we pick it up in chapter 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So God says so, some people are uniquely a finger, and some people are uniquely a toe, and some people are uniquely an ear. We're all part of the body of Christ, but we're made uniquely. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Let's just hold that there for a moment. I believe that in this context, it doesn't mean the foretelling of the future prophesying, but it means the bold proclamation of, of truth. And, and some of us here in our, in our church are wired to figure out what's true and what's error and to be bold in proclaiming truth as opposed to that which is not true. And it drives you crazy when other people kind of blur, blur truth and error. But that's because your whole motivation in life is to proclaim the truth. Then he gives us some other examples here. If it is serving, then serve. Some of you are just wired to serve other people. You're the people putting away chairs after the event at church when everybody else is still talking. You know who you are. And, you're, and you, get, you get frustrated that other people don't see those chairs? You see, because your motivational gift is serving, it's like a beam from heaven came down on those chairs. And you saw it, and nobody else can see it, but you saw it. Now, don't get me wrong. We're all to do all of these things, but some people are particularly motivated in that area. If it's teaching, then teaching. Some people, we're all supposed to share our faith with other people, but some are especially motivated there. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Now, this is my particular spiritual gift. And I tell you, it drives me crazy when I see people have the opportunity to encourage somebody and they don't do it. It's just like, hey, don't you see that person needs to be encouraged? Now, we're all to encourage each other, but in particular situations, you are wired that way. That's how you're motivated. It's your personality gift, and so you give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. We're all to give, but some people are particularly strategic in, in that area. If it is to lead, do it diligently. We call this the gift of administration or leadership. How many of you, it drives you crazy how disorganized things are at work or at school or here at the church? Let me see your hands. Okay, you can confess it. That's fine. Well, that's because you have this gift of leadership, and you just see how things should be organized. You are motivated in that area. And then if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Some people are just wired to see brokenhearted people. You're the person that when you walk into a, a room, it's almost like the person that's heart is broken, they just light up like neon. And you're like, can't anybody else see that person crying there in the corner? Uh, now we should all be merciful to everybody, but if, if that's your personality or motivational gift, that will be something that particularly uh, motivates you. 
Uh, then, there, then there are other examples of this that we've done uh, down through the years. Um, I'm going to date myself on this, but how many of you remember before the Left Behind series, uh, Tim LaHaye, there was the spirit-controlled temperament. How, did anybody remember that? Okay. Oh, nobody. All right. Everybody did at 8.30. Everybody at 8.30. That's, I must be the oldest person in the room then. Okay. That, uh, there was this book that Tim LaHaye did. He, he based it on Hippocrates who was the, the father of uh, medicine, uh, the Greek. He was a Greek uh, doctor, and he believed there were four temperaments, that everybody was divided, and there's the first 400 B.C. is the first time we see people putting people in categories. And he said there were four temperaments of people. One was a sanguine. They were like the outgoing people, and the happy and outgoing. Uh, one was a choleric. They were more angry and driven and accomplishment-oriented. Uh, then there was the melancholy, the more sensitive people. And then phlegmatic, the more laid back people. And so he, uh, Tim LaHaye applied these to four uh, people in the scripture. And so he said that Peter was the sanguine. And he said that Paul was the choleric. And Moses, as an example, the melancholy. And Abraham was the phlegmatic. And then there was uh, a monk in 400 AD named Evagrius Ponticus. So any of you parents looking for cool new names for your children, okay? Any of you expected parents? Evagrius, there is like an awesome uh, name. And this one is not in your guide. It's not in your study guide. But he came up with what were called the seven deadly sins. And, uh, and uh, I, I actually wanted to do that series instead of this one. And the younger pastors, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Eric, others, they were like, Chanel, I think was in on that conversation. Glenn, that would be a major downer, you know. And plus, identify everybody by their number. How many of you are this sin? Let, let me just see you. Stand up right now. So he came up with the seven deadly sins. And, and, and it was a brilliant insight in that he saw that everybody's tempted differently. Have you found that to be true? I mean, maybe if you get vulnerable enough with other people to talk about what your temptations are. I don't know if you have a, a friendship or, or your spouse or, um, or, or somebody in your life group that you're vulnerable enough that you could share this. And man, whenever I've done that and somebody shares what they're, te- I share what I'm tempted in, and, and I'm like, yeah, everybody's tempted that way, right? And then they look at you like you're a deviant or something like that. I was like, no, not me, never thought of it. But then other people share, and I'm like, man, I never thought to be tempted in that area, but thanks for the information. I will try that sometime, you know. So, so we're all tempted differently. And so he came up with these seven different deadly sins that people are tempted in different ways. We're all tempted by all of them, but one of them has a particular oomph behind it, okay? So the number one was pride. Number two was greed. Number three was lust. Would you just stand up as I mention your number? Would you guys do that? Okay. Number four was envy. Number five was gluttony. Number six was wrath or anger. And seven was sloth or, or laziness. And so he came up with this idea that everybody's like tempted in different ways. Um, another one that's in your study outline, Kimberly and I have taught the five love languages. Uh, we've, we've taught that all over the place. We taught it at Cal Baptist Chapel and APU's chapel. And a couple of years ago, Kimberly and I, along with Pastor Eric and his wife Sarah, uh, the four of us taught on the five languages of love. How people, we, we like to be loved in all five different ways, but there's one way that will particularly um, like meet our needs. And so the five were words of encouragement, you know, I'm, that, that's mine. Kim, I've told you before, Kimberly's whole job after 11-11 service, she always sits right in the second row. And as soon as I finish preaching, I come and sit on the, I, I, during worship, I stand on the front row. And she leans over and says, 
that was the most awesome sermon ever preached in the history of Christianity. And I'm like, I know you're lying, but I need to hear it right now. And so thank you so much. So number one, words of encouragement. Number two, acts of service. Number three is quality time, just being with people. Or, you know, Kimberly's just acts of service. She'll say to me, stop telling me you love me so much. Just do the dishes, okay? That's the way you show it. Uh, number four is physical touch. And number five is the giving uh, of gifts. And then another one that, that has been popular recently is strengths finders. And the benefit of strengths finders was the emphasis on don't spend too much time trying to get better on something you're just not good at. God didn't make you that way. And so don't, don't just work to try to get better in an area that you're not. I mean, don't get me wrong. You try to work on your weaknesses so they don't nail you, know, they don't nail you okay, and so they don't get you. But don't spend too much time. Emphasize your strengths, and you will go further and more effective in life the more you emphasize your strengths over your weaknesses. Last Sunday, I shared about how terrible I was in basketball in high school. And I barely made the junior varsity team. And I told you about how I scored two points in 18 games. And you do the math on that. It's not a great scoring average, all right, I'll just tell you. And so that just did not dissuade me. I was all prepared to go out for varsity in my sophomore year, all excited. I am going to work harder at being a better basketball player, and I'm going to get that scoring total up from two to four. I'm going I'm to uh, double that thing. And so then one day, my track coach, uh, Coach Walter Wells, he, we're standing next to the the soda machine there, the drink machine outside the gymnasium. And I could just see this conversation. He comes over, he says, hey, Glenn, I hear you're, you're going out for basketball again. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm going out for basketball. He says, please don't do that. <laughs> he says, Glenn, you are no good at basketball. He said, you, you stink, basically. He said that. He said, I want you to concentrate year-round on track and forget about basketball. And you know, you would think that would hurt my feelings. I loved him for it. He said, Glenn, you're free to release working on something you're only going to be, your, your lid is like down here is where your lid is. Okay, emphasize the things you are good in, and, and strengths finders helped us do that. Another series I did years ago, there's almost a review of all the series we've done on this, is Sacred Pathways. And so this is a long time ago. I did this one about how people love God in all different ways, but we particularly are ministered to loving God and worshiping God, connecting with God in particular pathways. Uh, one was the naturalists. These are people that just love to connect with God out in nature. Another is the sensates. These are people that love to love God with all uh, five of their uh, senses. Another are the traditionalists. These are those that love God through ritual and symbol. Then there are the ascetics. These are people that love God best in solitude and simplicity. Uh, then there are the activists. These are people that love uh, God the best through confrontation over injustice, such as the movie trailer uh, we just saw. Then there are the caregivers. These are people that love God best by loving other people and caring for other people. Then there are the enthusiasts. These are the ones that love God best with mystery and celebration. They're the ones that in their worship service, they love smells and bells is, is what they like. And I, I didn't appreciate this growing up as a Presbyterian in Virginia and then later as a Baptist. But first time I went to an Anglican church and, and they swung incense as they came down the aisle and I got tears in my eyes. Just the smelling that incense just made me sense the holiness of God. And I'm like, I get the smells and I get the bells now. Okay, you know, I, I, I get this. This is cool. Uh, contemplatives. These are people that love God uh, through adoration. 
And then intellectuals, these are those that best connect with God, loving God with their mind. Um, in our small group, we were sharing about doing this series that we're going to do. And one of the people in our small group said, you know, I like to think of the 12 disciples. And, 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 I can, and different people relate to different of the 12 disciples. Not only, you know, we only know much about like two-thirds of them. There's some we don't know anything about. But the ones that you know about, isn't it interesting how you find yourself connecting with different ones? So for this series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be looking at nine different personality types, nine different personality types. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, is uh, if the sermon is boring, go there now. If the sermon is not boring, go there later, okay, I hope. Go to purposechurch.com slash tools, all right? So things get slow, you can just go there on your phone right now if you want to. But if things uh, don't go so, you can go this afternoon, all right? Turn off the NFL and take the test that's here. I can say that because the Packers played on Thursday night, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Uh, so uh, go to the website, purposechurch.com slash tools, okay? And there's a free test there. It'll take, I don't know, Chanel, 20 or 30 minutes or something like that. It's about 70 or 80 questions, something like that. Take you 20 or 30 minutes. It's a free test. And there's this personality test that has been sweeping the nation. And it's been especially uh, Christians have found it very, very helpful and you, you've maybe heard of it before. It's called the Enneagram Test. And um, I first heard about it. Uh, there's a group of pastors from similar churches to ours, one from Boston, two from Chicago here in the L.A. area, and one from San Diego, one from Sacramento. And, and we're similar churches, similar size churches. And we get together once a year for like three days, and we just pray for each other and share what's going on in our lives, what's working in our churches, what's not working as well. We brainstorm ideas with each other. And this is the first time I heard about my pastor friends all about my age uh, were saying there's this, this test and it is helping me so much in my walk with God. And our family is taking it. We're getting all of our family to take it. And it has just helped us. And they said stuff that's been a problem in our family for all of our lives, for years, is getting solved because of this greater understanding as to how we're uniquely made, how, how God, God made us. And, and like I said, it's called the Enneagram test. Now, I want to clarify, Enneagram, not engrams. That's Scientology, and we won't be going there in the next two weeks, all right? I, I like my job too much. I like to keep it. I enjoy what I do. Okay, so not Scientology. It's not engrams. It's not pentagram. That would be Satan worship. Not cool, okay? Scientology, not cool. Satan worship, not cool. Now, there are some of the diagrams that, you know, people say, oh, that looks like a pentagram. No, 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 no. It's not at all. And so it's not engrams. It's not a pentagram. Um, even with the Enneagram, however, you need to be discerning and use material on it that's biblically based and not new agey, Okay. And, and I want to admit that, right up to that. I know there's some stuff that's new agey. You don't have to write me emails. You don't have to let me know. Pastor Glenn, do you know about this? Yes, I, I know about it. And we're avoiding all of that. Uh, but it is huge in our culture right now. And the way we do things at Purpose Church is when something's a big cultural phenomenon, we don't run away from it. We, we grab a hold of it and we use it in a biblical way. That's how we roll here, all right? So when something's big in culture, we don't run away, and, and, and we take what's good out of it, and we use it in a biblical way. 
And I would tell you with your oikos, that's the Greek word for household, the eight to 15 in your sphere of influence. These are your people, okay, that you work with, that you go to school with, in your family, in your neighborhood. Uh, These are your people. And your assignment from God is to go to heaven and to take your oikos with you. I can almost guarantee that somebody in your oikos, especially if they're young, especially if there are young adults in your oikos, is into this particular thing, the Enneagrams. I can, I can almost get, guarantee you. And even if they're not, I think this may be the best series we've ever had for inviting friends to come. I think this might be the best one of all because everybody likes to figure out themselves. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. You know, I love myself. I think I'm grand. I go to the movie and hold my hand. I slip my arm around my waist. If I get fresh, I slap my face. That's like, like, that's like my favorite poem, okay? Our, our, favorite, our favorite subject. I have no idea where that came from, where I learned that. I, the things you pick up from childhood, you know? You can't remember the serious stuff, and that's what I remember. And, and so, so at any rate... Um, uh, you know, we love to, to study it, and this is something that will connect with people. Hey, how would you like to figure out more of what you're like and, and what the people around you are? It's kind of like the Internet, okay? There's, how many would agree there's good stuff on the interstat, Internet and there's bad stuff on the Internet, okay? We got agreement on that one. And, and so instead of running from it, now the Internet is being used to reach the world for Christ. I personally believe that Jesus said the whole world will hear the gospel and then I'll come back. I believe this is fulfilling the last requirement before Jesus comes back. That God is using a Christian, strategically using the internet to reach the world for Christ. So it's like the internet. We don't run from cultural phenomena. We embrace what's good in it and we use it for God's purposes. It's, it's like going to the grocery store. Yesterday, I uh, went to Stater Brothers right here down the street. Ran into a bunch of people from our church here. And it's like a grocery store. You go into a grocery store and there's stuff that will feed you like bread and meat. And then there's stuff that will kill you like Drano and Clorox, all right? And so here's the key. If you don't take anything more away from the sermon, take this away from it. Eat the bread and meat and don't drink the Drano and Clorox. Are you glad you came to church this morning? You're like, ah, thank you so much for that. And so what our creative and communications team, we're so grateful to our creative and communications team, have put together on our website 100% Christian resources, 100% Christian resources. And, and this tool has been tremendously helpful, but only when it's used in a biblical Christian context. So would everybody turn their page over? Um, how knowing yourself better can help you better fulfill your mission in life. And our vision statement is everyone everywhere following Jesus. Our mission statement is connect with God, connect with others, connect others with God. So connecting with God. This study, I want you to know this, the Enneagram test and the, and the study of Enneagram, we've gone through it as a staff before we present it to the church. We want to go through it as, as leadership. Uh, it has uncovered some stuff in my life. It's uncovered some sin in my life. You know, David says, Lord, cleanse me of hidden faults. Uh, search me and know my heart. Know if there are ways that are displeasing to you. I'm telling you, this study has helped me in my relationship with God because it's uncovered some stuff that pr- probably all of you knew about me. Okay, probably as obvious as can be that you, you see this stuff. I never saw it until this. It has helped me so much. Uh, connecting with others. 
How many of you have people in your life that you just don't get? Okay, any of them. And if they're here, would you just point to them right, right now? If you want to, don't do that. I'm kidding. Don't do that. But how much conflict is in our lives because we were all made so differently? And I want you to know this has already helped Kimberly in my marriage. I mean, I mean, there's, there's stuff about her that I, when I read her number, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, now I get it. And, and, and I'm sure she's done the same thing, you know, that as a matter of fact, don't even take the test. Just get your spouse to take the test. That's what you, you need to do that. So, and then, and then connecting others with God, how to better serve others and lead people in your oikos uh, to Christ. Like I said, this is one of the best ones we're ever going to have uh, for inviting people here to come and join us with this study. So with the time we have remaining, just as an overview, we're going to do the 30,000-foot view, and then we're going to dig into the trenches starting next Sunday. Let's meet the nine personality ty- types, and I encourage you to go to that website and take the test and, and I think after I do this overview, you're going to be anxious to take it, okay? You're going to run home, and you're going to want to take this thing, um, share it with your friends, share it with your family, your spouse, your, your, your life group. I, I just know in our family, having our adult children take it has just given us so much insight. It's helped me to know how to better pray for some of our adult children uh, because of what we've learned about each other through this. Okay, here are the nine types. See which one, I'm gonna go through and see which one you think you resonate with. And you can raise your hand on multiples. You, you might wanna raise your hand on all of them, all right? But, but try, try, try to figure out which ones you kind of might begin to resonate with. Number one is the reformer or the idealist or the moral perfectionist. This is the rational, idealistic type. They're principled, purposeful, self-controlled. Now, the thing they struggle with is perfectionism. That's the thing they struggle with, with being perfectionist. They're strong-willed, they're justice-oriented, and they're willing to take a stand for what they care about. An example in the Bible that we're going to look at is Paul. And, and, and by the way, as you see yourself in these, email me. I want to hear what you have to say. I, I want to use you if you give me permission, as examples, okay? If you give me permission, you can tell me is this is okay to share. Uh, but, but send those to me. And send me Bible characters as well that you think, and we can add to our repertoire. But Paul turned from being a judgmental Pharisee, and actually being judgmental uh, is one of the Achilles heels of this personality type, to being a man willing to suffer extremely for the cause of Christ. And so send me examples from your life. Uh, I'm going to just use examples from our, our, our staff here at church because we've already done it. But in the future, I want to use examples uh, from our, our, our church family. So our number one on our uh, team here at Purpose Church, uh, the reformer is Pastor Tamiko. Pastor Tamiko, our uh, Mother Teresa against human trafficking, our, 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 our reformer warrior is our example. Now, how many of you think that maybe you resonate with this one? Anyone willing to raise their hand and say that? How many think you might know someone who is, fits in that? Okay, get a, get a few more on, on that one. Okay, think about it as we go through. Number two, the helper or the supportive uh, ad- advisor. Okay, the helper or the supportive advisor. This is the caring interpersonal type. They're demonstrative, they're generous, they're service-oriented, and their weakness that they struggle with is sometimes they can be people pleasers. Any of you ever not have boundary lines and family members or others can walk on you? Well, maybe this is yours. Service is their middle name. 
They love giving to others. And as long as they're healthy, they're okay not getting a lot of attention for doing so. But when they're unhealthy, they're kind of grinding their teeth. Why don't more people notice what I am doing for them? An example in the Bible is Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was willing to serve God at a tremendous cost to herself, but to the ultimate glory of God. And the example of, on, on our uh, staff is Pastor Sham. Pastor Sham Rambaran is our number two. Now, how many of you relate to this one? Anybody relate to this one? Okay, at all. How many of you know someone who, who you, you, you can see this might be them, all right? Number three is the achiever, uh, performer, or the successful achiever. This is the success-oriented, the number three, pragmatic type. They're adaptive, they're excelling, they're driven, and then their struggle that they have is that they are image conscious. This is the struggle of the number three. Uh, they're driven and success-oriented, um, sometimes to the point of caring more about how they appear than they should. Now, when they're healthy, they're faithful and they're focused uh, like Moses. But when they're unhealthy, they can become deceitful like, uh, like Jacob. Uh, the newest member to our team is a number three, and that's Pastor JT. Pastor JT Martinez is our number three. How many of you kind of connect with that one at all? Anybody on that one? Any number threes? They raise their hand a little bit. Uh, how many of you, maybe I should read the weakness first and then get to the other. How many of you are people pleasers? Uh, how many of you are image clutches? Okay. How many of you know a number three? Anybody have a number three in your life? Okay. I, I, I see that. Very, very good. All right. Uh, number four, the individualist or the romantic individualist. This is the sensitive, introspective type. Uh, they are creative, uh, emotionally honest. They're self-aware, and their struggle is that sometimes they can be temperamental. Uh, they feel deeply, and their emotions are central to their experience, uh, and as is their desire to be unique. Now, King David was a man after God's own heart, uh, who expressed his feelings openly and wholeheartedly to God in the book of Psalms. And, and like David, if you're a number four, you should work to focus your attention back on the Lord when you feel tempted, rather than to focus on yourself and on the pains that you've suffered above all else. Another possible number four in the Bible is Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph, the son of Jacob, not um, the father of Jesus, not that Joseph. So our number four on our, on our team uh, staff is Alyssa Brom, who's our children's pastor at the Claremont campus. All right. How many of you might be a number four? Do we say, oh, I see a hand go right up. There, I nailed it. All right. I actually saw a beam from heaven come down on you. It's like number four. Number... Anybody else, number four? How many of you know a number four? Anybody know a number four? Okay. I see husbands pointing at wives. That's not always wise. You know, I just mentioned, uh, you know, point, point to your spouse. Very, very good. All right. Number five, the investigator or the investigative thinker. This is the intense cerebral type. Uh, they're perceptive, insightful, curious, and their danger is sometimes that can isolate them. They can be isolated. Uh, they're driven by logic and straight thinking more than emotions. So Mr. Spock would, would probably be uh, number five. Um, for you that are younger than me, this is a show called Star Trek, uh, before Star Wars. And, and they can tend to be distant and aloof when they're unhealthy. So that's a struggle. They can be kind of isolated when they're unhealthy. But when they're Christ-centered and they're whole, they bring brilliance and insight to scriptural truths. 
Uh, Luke, uh, the doctor in the Bible, and the writer of the books of Luke and Acts was, was this kind of person with insight, wisdom, and intelligence. Another possibility is Thomas, who needed to see and understand before he would believe anything. Now, this is funny. Out of 120, we have 120 full and part-time staff here at Purpose Church, 120 full and part-time staff, and we've only given the test to a third of them, only to 40 out of the 120. But still, even with checking out 40, we only have one number five on staff that we've identified so far. So if you're a number five, maybe we need to hire you if you're a number five. We need balance in the force here, so maybe, maybe we need that. So... Our, our lone number five, at least that we have discovered, is our church photographer, Matt Tyler. And he's the guy you see running around here taking pictures all the time. That, that's Matt. How many of you might be a number five? Let me take it. Anybody? Anybody might be a number five? Anybody? Because we need to set Okay. We'll set up an interview here at church uh, uh, Tuesday morning. Pastor Lisa, get that name, and uh, uh, let's, let's inter- interview them. Good. Number six, the loyalist or the loyal guardian. This is the the committed, security-oriented type. They're engaging, they're responsible, they're trustworthy, and their struggle is they can be anxiety, they can, they can be anxious about things. They're loyal and committed. Uh, like Ruth in the Bible, they care deeply about people and places that they're called to. Um, when they're unhealthy, in an unhealthy state, they can let fear dictate their choices. But like Ruth, when they're healthy, they can learn to take risks that lead to great joy and God-centered glory. Another possibility is Peter, who was faithful, but sometimes he was fearful. So our number six is Pastor Randy. Pastor Randy is the golden retriever of our staff. All right. How many of you think you might be a number six? Anybody think they might be a number six? Let me come on. Don't be shy. Yes. Oh, Becca. Okay, maybe. Okay, okay. number six. Oh, no. You're not Becca. That's the man. Okay. Anyway. Number six, any other number sixes? Okay, very, very good. How many think you might know a number six? Any of you? Okay, we see a lot of those. All right, very, very good. Number seven, home stretch. The enthusiast or the entertaining optimist. This is the busy, fun-loving type. They're spontaneous, they're high-spirited, they're adventurous, but their struggle can be they can be distractible. Um, they're energetic, lively, in the life of the party. Like, like Barnabas They're an encourager, and they love to bring others into the body of Christ. When they give their heart, they give it completely and are wholeheartedly committed uh, to the affairs of the Lord. Their weakness is that their love of all life has to offer can bend towards addiction and indulgence, and that's why Solomon is also another example of uh, of a number seven. Now, can anyone want to guess, not the thousand wives part of, of Solomon there, okay, Anyone want to guess? They've already been up here on on, on stage. Um, Jared, yes, yes, yes. Jared LeMaster is a number seven. And, and, you know, um, actually, now, Letitia, do you know your number yet? Well, you got to find out. Everybody so far that we've tested in worship leadership is a number seven. Everybody on our staff that is involved in it, which is kind of good, have you seen the AT&T commercial where it says, that's just okay? You see that one, boy bands that don't dance are just okay. And, and all, the, all the other ones, that's just okay. The doctor, he's okay. Okay, who wants a worship leader who gets up there and says, well, this next song, it'll be okay. No, no, we don't want anybody but sevens leading worship up here. 
Okay, how, how many of you... How many of you can identify with number seven? Anybody? Number seven? Oh, Pastor Eric, I see that hand. Jared, you already had your, okay. How many know a number seven? How many know a number? Okay, we see that. They know a number seven. Okay, very, very good. Okay, two more. Number eight, the challenger or the protective challenger. Uh, the powerful dominating type. Self-confident, decisive, protective, and they're confrontational, which can be a good thing or can be a struggle. They are straightforward, even an aggressive leader, and they care intensely about justice. Uh, like John the Baptist, they are unafraid of standing up to others for a greater cause. They just need to be careful to keep their ambition in check and use their strengths, as John the Baptist did, for the good of others and not just for them solely for themselves. A Miriam, the sister of um, Moses, is another example, and, and one that's not on your list is Samson, is another example of, of an eight. And our, our example of number eight is our children's pastor, uh, Lisa Patterson, which is a great thing to have in children's ministry. But she and her husband, Gary, are also the leaders of, our, of Celebrate Recovery and our recovery ministries. And so I think it's a great trait for somebody in, in, in both of those areas. How many of you can relate to number eight? Anybody? Okay, okay I see some. Good, very good, very good. Anybody else? Number eight. Hey, good. Um, I see that hand. Is there another? Okay. Uh, how many know a number eight? Anybody know a number eight? Okay. We got a lot that know a number eight. Number nine, the final one. The peacemaker or the peaceful mediator. The peacemaker or the peaceful mediator. This is the easygoing, self-effacing type. They're receptive. They're reassuring. They're stable. Their struggle, at times they can be indecisive. They connect easily with others and they make them feel at ease. And like the Apostle John, they care about helping others reconcile with God and with each other. While their tenderness might make them avoid arguments or conflict with others, they can learn to trust God in the midst of these hard conflicts and hard things. And they can use their gifts to point others to the true peace that Christ has to offer. Another possible number nine that's not in your um, outline there is Jonah. Jonah is another possible number nine. On our staff, our number nine is the tallest pastor on our staff, uh, Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg is our, how many of you relate to number nine? Anybody relate? Okay, okay, Isaiah. Woo, okay, okay, number nine is number nine. Anybody other number nine is number nine? How many know a number nine? How many know a number nine? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, one of our core values here at Purpose Church, is better together. And we may be different, but we believe even though we're different, we are better together. The nine numbers working together. And, 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 and we are a spiritual army. I look out here, and, and you know, they say January 1st is New Year's Day. I believe for the church, the Sunday after Labor Day is New Year's Day. And I see a spiritual army, and sometimes we might feel surrounded Okay, we might feel surrounded by the enemy, surrounded by our problems and challenges, but whatever comes out of the gates of the coming year, whatever comes out of the gates of this coming school year, uh, we have a better chance of surviving and even, even thriving if we work together. If we learn about each other and our different strengths and weaknesses, if we stay together despite those differences, we will not only survive, we will fulfill the purpose and the, and the mission for which all of us have been uniquely made.